Chris Harrington joins us now. Chris, what are we listening to? That's uh, Life's Little Ups and Downs by Charlie Rich. Born on this day in Colt, Arkansas in 1932. Sending that out to the Grizzlies uh, season. Jared was good last night. <laughs> yeah, no, Jared was great. I, they just, you know, they, they don't have enough offense when they have Jared and Dez. And so just one of them, definitely, you know, not enough. It, it, they kept it competitive longer than I, than I expected them to, really. No, I mean, honestly, when they had the, when they came out, when it went to the half, I was like, all right, I've, I've seen this script before. I kind of know how it's going. And then they played, honestly, one of their best third quarters of the year. And you kind of talked yourself into, okay, maybe, maybe this is a game. And then you like to me, it was just it was so obvious. Like once Jaron had to like take a break, I think that's the larger problem. Is and I get it, they're shorthanded, but isn't the bigger issue right now they just do not have enough NBA basketball players? Yeah, I mean it's a combination because it's it's not the second team that's been exposed as much as the third team has been exposed. Kind of the second team. It's like the bottom half of the roster. The bottom half of the roster has been exposed. Um, the top half of the roster has been mostly missing, other than Dez, Dez and Jaron. Um, but the bottom half of the roster, you know, has had to be pushed up into duty and has just proven just not ready and maybe won't be ready just because maybe they're just not good enough. And so that suggests that, you know, whatever, whatever the fortunes are the rest of this season, as you think about the team going into next you know, a, can you run it back with the with the top half of your roster? Maybe that's a debatable thing, but you can't run back the, the back half of this roster. I mean, I think that's to me like that's the larger question. It's like, should you should you really be held accountable for your? You know, like you said, if this isn't the second team; it's the third team. Like, how many teams, if they were having to play, you know, ten through fifteen on the roster, how many would be competitive? I suspect well, the answer is next to none. Last night was a special situation. Yes. You're missing your top, literally, if you look at your 15-man roster, and I know like they knew Brent, they weren't, they weren't Brandon Clark, but that's still money on the book. So if you look at your 15-man roster, it's your top four guards and your top two centers. And so, like, look around the league. Like, find another team that, like, gets most of the scoring from the backcourt. Like, like, imagine Cleveland. If Cleveland's playing without Donovan Mitchell and without Darius Garland and without Max Struess and without Karis LeVert, and without Jared Allen, and without whoever their third big is, George Niang or whatever, like, what's that team going to do, you know? At that point, it's like Evan Mobley and and a bunch of scrubs, like, trying to compete. And so, like, last night, it's been a problem all year in terms of who's been unavailable, but last night was the biggest problem once you added Bain to the mix. Yeah. And, I mean, I think the 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 only resistance that I would have to that example is – Injuries are a part of this story. Like, I'm not ignoring it, and they've had terrible injury luck. But you did know yeah. going into the season, you weren't going to have Brandon Clark. And I still argue you should have known to a certain degree you were not going to have Steven Adams. You knew it was a possibility that you weren't going to have Steven Adams, but to your point, even in the preseason, you knew that you weren't going to have Steven Adams full-time. And it, right. is it reasonable to say that they, sh- they did not do enough to address that reality? Well, I mean, I, I felt like they should have done more to add tangible NBA talent to, at minimum, the last roster spot or two they had. Um, you know, they wanted to speculate on Lofton. 
which I, 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 I've been a fan of his talent. I wish he were back on a two-way instead of on the main roster. Right. They wanted to speculate on that, and then, like, they felt like they needed to sign Derrick Rose for, like, locker room reasons. And, like, they could have done – I know, know he had a decent scoring game last night. They were not particularly good with him on the floor. I thought they were actually better when Gilliard was on the floor. But, like, that was not the best player they could have signed from an NBA talent standpoint in free agency. Um, they had other other reasons, and then I mean, we, we talked about this many times. But they they've overloaded the back of the roster with dart throws for wing role players, and it's just and, and if you hit on a couple of them, it's not as bad, but it's still too 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 much too much concentrated in one area. I think the issue that I've had is, and I, I think I've mentioned this to you. I understand finding value and finding value and finding value. But it almost feels like there was such an emphasis on quote unquote finding value rather than putting together a roster. And I understand like this isn't as simple as, well, it's one or the other. And, you know, if you hit on one of these, you do maybe add to your roster. But it just feels like to me that the the biggest issue that I see is there was there was more of a concerted effort to try and throw all these darts rather than putting a team on the floor that made sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, we, we, we've sort of had the same discussion, like, about 75 times. It is a very circuitous, very circuitous but, uh, discussion. But, but, you know, but we, we the, the, the plan, the theory has not been tested because they have not had Marcus Smart to play with, you know, the idea of this team was going to be, John Morant, the idea of this team wasn't necessarily like Jake Laravia and, and, and Conchar and with the back end of the guys, that, that, that spot minute guys you hope. The idea of the team was John Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams. And like, we're not going to see that because of the Steven Adams thing. And, and you know, they, they were not, if, if John Morant, like if John Morant, even with all the other problems they had, if like a Jaws not suspended, this team is like I don't know nine. They've got nine or ten wins right now, maybe like a little under five hundred. But then as you get you know Canard back and then Smart back and all of this, they just needed they needed to tread water until they could sort of get their team together, and like and it hasn't happened. And so yeah, they've made mistakes, and we've talked about it. And I've written about it, and like at some point, you're just pounding it into the ground, to like you know, say you know, you messed up on trading up for Jake Laravia. I think it's known. I, th- I think they know it at this point. But in terms of going forward, like there's just a there's work to be done in terms of filtering out who you're going to keep and who you're not, and then waiting for the the moments that come when you have the opportunities. You can know something was a mistake, but that doesn't mean you're going to do something tomorrow to fix it. Maybe tomorrow is not the moment where that opportunity is there. I I think, you know, if they come back next season with, like, the same bottom seven, eight players, I think we've got a problem. But, like, they're not going to snap their fingers and suddenly – scramble the whole thing up tomorrow. I mean, you got like two months before the trade deadline. You're going into next season. It's going to be a little bit of a process. And like, you know, giving them 10, 10 lashes every day because they messed up on a draft pick two years ago doesn't really – not going to solve anything really. No, and I th- I think – you know, I'm not saying the organization made this miscalculation, but it does seem like at least at the minimum the fan base really miscalculated what – losing John Morant for 25 games would mean. And I'm not saying you did, because you you were very clear from the very beginning, this is a significant suspension. 
I just think maybe it, it caught people by surprise just just how significant it was. Well, I think people out, outside of Memphis, particularly people outside, oh, look, they've, they've done better without John Moran. Look, look at the success they had. The reality is they were not nearly as successful without John Moran last season as the season before. Yeah, there was a lot of asterisks on that one. Yeah, I mean, they, they did not have the quality depth last season they had the season before. And they didn't. See, there was a reason to believe they would have less quality depth going into this season. So e- even if you wanted to do past performance and, and go off of that, what the point to was not the nineteen and four two years ago without John. It was the eleven and ten. Yeah. Now, if you had played at an eleven and ten level like you did last season without John, this first twenty five games you would be fine. The problem was suddenly you know. You're missing Kennard for most of it. You're missing Smart for a lot of it. And you missed Aldama for the first two weeks. And it just compounded. And, and you know, there are Grizzlies fans who believe, like, the Grizzlies have been more hurt by injuries than any other team in the NBA the past two seasons. That's not actually true. It is true this season if you factor in the Morant suspension with the injuries. What do you make of – what do you make of Santi last night? Uh, I I got the not sense just, not, not, not just last night. I think Santi's had a bad couple weeks. It seems like it felt like I think last it's been night. Pretty though, disappointing. It felt like last night though. It was not about offense. It felt like Taylor Jenkins was sitting him down because of defense, right? There was well, there was a yeah. I think that's true. And I, but I think there was sort of a short leash with like Conchar played seven minutes yeah. and like never appeared again. You no, know? There, there were there I were definitely there, some short leashes. Like I think you're 100 percent right. There was a quick hook. Yeah, and so I, I think Santi has been, to me, the most disappointing Grizzlies player over the past couple of weeks because, you know, he, he missed the first couple of weeks with the injury. He came back. He was good. And then he was very good there for a little bit, you know, you know when they moved into the starting lineup and, and he was sort of having some good games. That game against Boston where he was having to generate a lot of the offense. Yep. And he has a talent level offensively especially – that is higher than most of the guys who are able to play for the Grizzlies. And they really needed him to step up and be the third scorer behind Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. You know, this little stretch without Kennard and without Smart and before Jock comes back. Like This was the moment where they needed they needed Santi to be averaging 16, 17 points a game with that opportunity. And he just hasn't done it. And, like, you know, players have good stretches and have bad. You look at Jaron right now. He, he he's in the middle of the best offensive stretch of his career. Literally three weeks ago, he was in the middle of the worst offensive stretch of yeah. his career. And so, like, I don't think I don't think this past week or two is all that damning on Santi in terms of what's going to happen going forward. But I think he's been a really really disappointing player in the past week or two. And I think that is. I know we started the the week kind of discussing this. I think the the bigger issue is it's like. How fair is it to make evaluations without Jaw on the floor? Because in the end, right, the enterprise is you're trying to figure out what this team is with Jaw rather than what it is without Jaw. Is that fair? Yeah, well, I think it's yes, but I think it's more fair in some situations than others. Okay. I, I think with Marcus Smart, like I particularly like get back to me later in the season on, on this one. But with some of these young wings, like you have to prove you have a pulse, you know? Yeah. And and when you if you do if you do if you are fortunate enough to have like Ja and Dez and Kennard and Smart like all available at the same time for like two or three weeks like we'll see if that happens, but if that's the case like not everybody can play, and so you got to earn your right to play when Ja comes back to some degree, and that's really I, I think if anything that's what this early part of the season has been about in front in terms of your your rotation, 
like all these guys can't play, and very few of them have have suggested they should. You know, Vince Williams has, David Roddy has a little bit. I think a lot of us think like Zaire Williams will be helped by John Morant's return, but like I'm not betting you, on it. But you, I, you, yeah, that- you, yeah but, but but do you want to play him when he's playing like this? And you know, I, to me, you almost have to earn to some degree. You should earn the right to play when guys are back. You know. And so when you're looking at, like, LaRavia and Zaire Williams and Vince Williams and David Roddy and John Conchar, if you ever do get two full strength, you know, you know, minus Adams and Clark, you're playing one or two of those guys in a rotation. And so, like, right now you should be earning your place in the packing order to get those opportunities. And Vince Williams is the only guy who I think in a substantial way has, has earned his place at the top of that packing order. Yeah, I think actually if you – beyond, you know, the frustration of the record, I think that's kind of – like, as a sports fan where – what's been disappointing is a lot of guys were going to get a lot of opportunities. And to me, I just don't feel like, you know, Vince Williams has stepped up, but like, is, has it been like perfect? No, but he's, he's, I feel like at least he is stepping up. I think that's kind of the larger disappointing aspect is more and more guys. Like, I just don't feel like anyone like took, took the opportunity and ran with it. I think Vince Williams has shown you something you can believe in which is that he is going to get after defensively and he's going to hit the boards yeah. when you put him on the floor. There'll be nights when he you know, has a good offensive game, which means he scores 10 points, right? That's what that means. Yep. And there'll be nights when he goes one of four and gets you three points. Um, but some of these guys, you don't know if you're getting anything on either end of the floor, you know? And yeah. so when I say that Vince Williams has earned his place at the top of the pecking order, I mean, the bar, I mean, you, you, you've climbed up to the top of an extremely low bar. Yeah. You know, it's a bar that's almost buried that you're standing on top of. And so, you know, that's all it is. But at least it's that. Like, it, it is that. I mean, so if, you, if these are the guys you've got, and they have to be in some order of preference, like somebody's got to be at the top of the list, you know? Uh, even if everyone, everyone's bad, someone's got to be less bad than the others. And I don't think Vincent Williams has been bad. I think he's been good. I think he's been good with a very clear cap on what he can do offensively. Do the Grizzlies need more front court help? Because I ask this because I understand, like, in the short term, the answer is obviously yes, but there is, like, a question of can you get short-term help that doesn't handcuff you long-term, right? Is that the – that's the calculus you have to do? Well, yeah, but it depends on, like, you know, what you really think you're going to accomplish this season at this point. I mean, honestly, like, the idea – the idea of doing something strictly for this season when you're seven and seventeen, I know six and seventeen. I know it's not like the lift of the driving dream to say don't bother, like you know. But I, I sort of feel like that's sort of where they're at, and so I don't know. In terms of doing something that would only help this season, that doesn't cost you anything going into next season, I don't know if you're doing better than signing Bismack Biombo off the street. I was going to say, how and many so moves I, are actually out there where that help? You know what I mean? Yeah, and so to me, to me, everything I'm thinking about at this point is about how it impacts my team beyond this season. Everything I'm thinking about is about that. Um, and and that, that even goes to, like, if you keep Biombo and, and, and cut Lofton at this point. I'm yeah. thinking about that partly in terms of, you know, I signed him to a, a, a non-guaranteed contract that tops out at $5 million, and they, they did that in part to make that a, a useful contract for potential trades. And so to me, that's just almost at this point as much, A, it makes your team more functional right now, which you still want, do want. 
But then B, like, you know, maybe he, maybe the trade value of that contract has greater future value to this point than the value of Kenneth Lofton, the way he's played, you know? But, but to me, I'm filtering everything through thinking beyond just this season. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you, do you think that is a possibility? Because it's almost as if since they've had Biombo, there's just been the assumption that, well, they're going to cut Lofton, keep Biombo. But, I mean, at a certain point, like, don't you have to consider alternatives? Yeah, I, I still think that is what's likely um, to happen. I, I, you know, I, I think Lofton's, Lofton's DNPs is, is a pretty clear indicator. Yes. I think that that they're not the one counter argument you could make is that you could you could you could you could not you, you, you could cut both or you know not not right. you know I guess cut technically is what you would be doing with, with Biombo because his contract is is not termed yeah. Yeah. to the Morant thing. Um, you could you could cut both and open up that, that roster spot and uh, elevate Vince Williams right now. I think the problem with that is that you do want a functional basketball team, and that just leaves you too thin up front to do that. And I think you have more time to figure out the Vince Williams thing because you could keep him on the two-way all season if you need to. So I, I, I Biombo has definitely come back to earth. Um, you know, he's come back to Biombo. Like, you know, for all the excitement, the, the, you know, when he, the first few games he was here, there was a reason he's like a 15 minute a game guy and that, you know, he, he was not on a roster. And so he's like, a, he's a limited backup center, basically, who's been pushed into greater service on this team. Um, I do still think that they will likely cut Lofton and keep Biombo for now, at least. At least, you know, between now and the trade deadline, we'll see. We've hit uh, peak uh, fake trade season. Uh, rumor season as we get closer to the uh, tomorrow, I believe this is the the deadline or whatever the opening up of when you can start moving guys that have, that have already been moved. Keldon Johnson's one of the names that is now getting floated around. Does that make sense for the Grizzlies? Because like I, now I'm at the point it's like I'm almost where it's like I want to see what they look like with Ja before I really start like just going. All right, let's let's start let's start hitting the phone lines. Yeah, no, Keller Johnson's a reasonable name. That, that That's someone, I mean, I, I want to say I, I did a big thing maybe back during the summer about potential potential trade or free agent targets on the wing and mentioned a lot of guys, and Marcus Smart was not one of them. Um, and Keller Johnson was one of the guys I mentioned. I, I mean, obviously he would increase the talent level on your team, you know, and, and depending on what you, was sent out. Um, and he would give you another score. I think, I think it's he, safe he, to say at this point he would increase the talent level. Yeah. He's he's young, which I, I think young is not that important right now. More important is that he's under contract, you know, for yeah. the next couple of years. And to me, that is most important. I don't care whether a guy is twenty five or thirty five. I care I care whether they're under contract, and I think they will be good as long as that you know while they're under contract. Um, but he would slip right in. He can play the three. He can play small ball four. Um, a little bit more of a score than a defender, but you need a little bit more offensive pop. No, I, I think, you know, depending on what you would have to give up, I think that that's a reasonable thing to consider. question is, you want to, like, you know, do two first-round picks and then whatever the contract match is, but if that's available, I think it's a maybe. I, guess that, I think it's a totally – if that guy is available, he's a totally reasonable person to to, um, to take a look at if you're the Grizzlies. So this year it's $20 million. And then he has a de-escalated contract. Yeah, no, it, it's a good it's a good contract for a yeah. starting level forward. Uh, and then Draymond has been suspended indefinitely. I don't know. I mean, I, the, I told Jeff. The Otherwise, only, notice the Morant. Yeah, exactly. I, my first thought when I saw it is like because like they included like counseling and whatnot. I was like, oh, he went. He got the full first Morant. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, I've just kind of grown 
as someone who acknowledges the benefits of of counseling and, and therapy, like I, I've gone very sick of it. Feels like the NBA always just throws that stuff in for PR, and it's like I, I feel like that is just so ignorant of the situations. Like, is Draymond really at this point like? You know what? A, a couple of a couple of counseling sessions. He's going to sit there and turn it around. Like I, I I'm just I've kind of had it with all that. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I, I I mean, the fact that there's a PR component to it doesn't necessarily mean there's not also a, a real functional component to it. Correct. But there is definitely a PR component to it, and I, I think I think there's no doubt about that. And, and I think it, it almost feels like you know with the with Morant thing. Um, last season, you know, the one in March of last year, the NBA basically, you know, got to test drive a new a new approach, yeah. you know, to managing this stuff. And so now that now they're now they're deploying it. By the way, with situation. big returns. Yeah, yeah, yes. Didn't 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 exactly take the first time. So we'll see. Of course, with, with Draymond, this is like time number seventeen or whatever. Like yeah, the idea that this is not what happened after he punched out Jordan Poole is what's kind of crazy. And like to me, like the other problem with it is. I think the NBA's got blood on their hands. Like, at a certain point, like, they have enabled this because they've allowed it to just continue and continue and continue. And it was almost like there was one point where they're like, well, you know, we can't really we can't really control his behavior, so we're just going to kind of let it go because that's Draymond being Draymond. It's like, well, now you've reached this point where it's like he literally just thinks he's above the rules. I, you know, I think that's true, but I would say let's not absolve the Golden State Warriors by putting too much focus on the NBA. Um, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors enabling a situation. Like there, there are I guess legitimate the problem is, questions so, about to not not to like cut you off, but I view yeah. the NBA and the Warriors as the same thing because well, the NBA was like that's their cash cow. Like you know what I mean? Like they they essentially were functioning together. But like yeah, but like the Grizzlies got lots of legitimate questions about you know sure. were they enabling John yeah. Morant behavior until yeah. it reached the breaking point? Like totally legitimate questions. Like yes. I think transparently that's what the Golden State Warriors have done with Draymond Green. No question at all, Chris. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks.